Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Dirt Talk. I'm your host, Aaron Witt, and today we have a very uh, highly requested guest, I'd say. Uh, maybe, I think at least two people have requested this guy, which is hard to believe. He is, uh, his title is, is the world's best operator, equipment operator. It is Mr. Garrett Wilson. Hey, Garrett. What's up, buddy? I, uh, you know, I just told you I went to Home Depot, so it's been a pretty wild day so far. Now I'm talking to you, so. Yeah. I don't know if I can top, top a day like this. Yeah, no, no shit. Well, I I first uh, figured I'd ask you about your your weekend project that you just put together. What's the deal with that that dragline bucket? Well, it's a dragline bucket with a mailbox on it. Well, how'd you? But it's all painted, all pretty, and all. Did you do that, or how how'd you get it painted like that? Well, I cleaned it up and painted it, and then uh, neighbor across the road, he's a sign painter by trade. And, you know, he's done, like, a bunch of the equipment that I've restored through the years. He comes up and does all the decals and the lettering and the pinstriping and shit on it. Nice. And just, you know, kind of like a little throwback to the old bomber planes with the the tiger teeth or shark teeth or whatever the hell you want to call it on there. Just had him, gave him a couple hundred bucks and told him to go nuts. It looks pretty, it looks pretty badass. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Now, what's so? What's the deal with all the antique equipment and the, the older equipment that you you find and restore? Do you so you you buy these things, you find them. Like, how do you even find these these older machines? Well, it started out probably I don't know, it was like ten years ago, before Facebook was a big thing, before Instagram was real big. I had to like put ads out on Craigslist, like legit wanted ads, looking for old construction equipment. You know. You, you drive around the back roads out here and you'll see them out and, you know, on the edge of a farmer's field somewhere, trees growing up through them. And, you know, it starts out, you start knocking on doors to find out who owns the stuff. And one thing leads to another and and people start finding out you collect the stuff. And then they start calling you, asking you if you want to buy shit. And I've traveled all over, well, gone to Ohio and Maine and down into West Virginia dragging old junk home through the years. And that's like, you make it into like a weekend project? You completely restore these machines oh, or what? Some of the stuff takes, you know, a year or two to do, you know. When, whenever I get free time, you know, between. It was easier before I had kids, you know. I had a little bit more free time. But now with kids, it's a little tougher. But, you know, I, I'm not one to really sit still. It's odd that I'm sitting in the house right now just talking on the phone. But that's, you know, life. Do you, do you run the machines or do you sell them or how does that work? Uh, a little bit of everything. You know, uh, there's shows all around the country, just antique construction equipment shows, tractor pulls, things like that. I don't know how many of the listeners that you have really get into that. I know a lot of my friends, you know, are all over the country, you know, in Canada and shit. And, you know, we go to all these shows and, you know, we bring our stuff there. We leave our stuff there. Some of the places you can leave your equipment there at the ground. And they like that because, A, it, it, it makes sure that you come back. They have machinery on display for people to see, you know, and it's, it's just more stuff to draw people there. So it's pretty good good deal for everybody. And some of the stuff stays here. You know, we've had people come here that have wanted to learn how to run, you know, the old cable, the cable excavator, you know. Yeah. People want to come here and show them how to do that. Yeah, you put Chris on it, didn't you? Yeah, reluctantly. 
Yeah. I was, I was pretty nervous. I mean, we've all seen him in action with a, with a fucking hydraulic excavator. He's pretty bad. So. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I was nervous. I thought he was going to tear it up, but he didn't do too shabby. So, <laughs> so can you... Can you explain, as far as the old equipment goes, so what's what's just say no to the devil's oil? Because I still have that sticker on the back of my pickup truck. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, so, in The Simpsons, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people watch the cartoon The Simpsons, uh, Ned Flanders is always talking about saying no to, to the devil's lettuce, which was weed, yeah. marijuana, whatever. Yeah. And uh, I'm still a huge proponent of cable machines and friction machines and things like that. And... You know, it's just kind of my way of getting back at the modern world. Gotcha. They know the devil. What What you about? Know, hydraulic oil is, is the fucking devil. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you like machines pre-hydraulics? Oh, for sure. What about the for old sure. stuff gets you going? Like, what, what draws you to it? Well, the simplicity of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if anytime my stuff's giving me fits when I'm running it, I can grab a wrench, climb in the back, and, you know, typically you can fix it with a couple turns of a wrench. You yeah. know, it's real simple. Yeah. And this stuff now is just, it's so fucking crazy with all the technology in it that you're not going to see this shit in 50 years. Yeah. still working. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to be proved wrong, but there's just so much shit that can go wrong, and it's so expensive to fix that I just don't see it happening. Yeah, well, that's and, yeah, whatever. It's it's the way the world goes. I get it. You know, I mean, I've I've been at the helm of the latest and greatest shit, and I've been at the helm of some of the oldest shit. Well, and you and so day to day, you run you run equipment for a company, right? Yeah, I've I've been operating since I was like fourteen. Well, how'd you get into it in the first place? Well, growing up, my dad, my uncle were plumbers by trade and there was a housing boom in the area and they did a lot of new construction stuff you know just plumbing and indoors eating ventilation that sort of thing and i would go to work with them you know i started working with my dad my uncle i was probably eight or nine years old and i grew up on a job site my brother did too and we would go to work and and my uncle was a slave driving son of a bitch but you know it's just the way it was my grandfather worked with us and you know, and, and we had a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but you, you worked hard. Yeah. And, uh, they did work for a man. He was a general contractor. He built houses. And uh, he liked my work ethic. And he he offered me a job. And he was going to pay me $5 an hour, which was $3 more an hour than I made at the time. Because yeah. that's all I made was $3 an hour. And I was 14 then. So I started working for him after school, before school. And on the weekends and whenever I did, I mean, I would skip school to go to work sometimes. He'd pick me up after school or whatever and just started, started fucking around with that shit. He had a little Case 450 dozer and I wanted to run it. He didn't want me to run it. So I actually found the uh, owner's manual behind the seat and figured out how to start the fucking thing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like legit self-taught how to run the thing. So and, it, uh, it was it, but you were, you were doing home building? Yeah, he built all, all new houses and housing developments around here. Okay. And then, you know, he but he did a lot of his own site work, too. You know, we put the utilities in and grade the yards and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, I did a lot of building, too. I mean, I helped, you know, with the building of the houses and shit like that, too. But I definitely favored construction equipment. Just It was just a natural attraction, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm there. I wish I could explain what it is, but... 
I, I've just always been attracted to it. I don't know why. I don't know how, but it's just, it is what it is. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, I, you know, we know a lot of people that are in that same boat. Yep. Now, what, how'd you get into doing it full time? Well, when I was 18, I started dating his daughter. Oh, and our, nice. Yeah, our work relationship went downhill quick. Yeah, that happens. And, you know, as an employee, he loved me. You know, I was, I was a hard worker and I was loyal and dedicated and, you know, I was good at what I did. But, you know, as uh, your daughter's boyfriend, it was, it wasn't good. So I ended up going to work for another dirt contractor and, you know, labor operator kind of thing. And a lot of really old salty guys is an old company. You know, they actually, my one, my one cable machine that I have now, I bought from those people when they were selling out. And it was one of the first machines they ever bought in 1961, brand new. And my neighbor's father, he was, I don't know, probably 60 at the time, but he drove from, you know, up here in New York out to Waverly, Ohio, and the, just a bareback cabin chassis was a thing back in 61, you know. And a fucking Korean era surplus uh, two and a half ton truck. Nice. Stayed in a motel out there for two and a half weeks, and then brought it back here, and it's worked in this area ever since. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of history in that machine. A lot of people that I, you know, I grew up working around. They ran it for years. I mean, that thing, that machine helped build a lot of the stuff in this area. You know, they'd have crane boom on. They put a 110 foot of crane in it. Their crane boom in it. Excuse me. Or they could put a backhoe on it, go dig a basement with it, or you know, put water lines in, or whatever, or go run it as a drag line, digging a pond somewhere. So that thing uh, got a lot of history around here. So that's kind of I was partial to that. You're brought up by some of the old timers, then? Oh yeah, like all of them. There yeah. was no when I was coming up through. I mean, there was no young guys really. Yeah. To you know, to work with, and there was no there was no social media. You know, these figures. I'm 35 now, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. That stuff wasn't really what it is today. Yeah. And these guys were still hanging on. You know, these guys were late 50s, early 60s, and they were still trudging along. And there wasn't no, like, today, you know, we realize that there's a shortage of young people in the trades. Yeah. And, you know, anybody sees that, it's you. And, uh, Big time. You know, I was out there before all of this stuff was prevalent you know pushing for young guys to get out there so you know these guys weren't too happy with a fucking snot-nosed kid out there running around in machinery well how'd you and, and so how'd you navigate that though because it, it you got to get in with them at some point so how'd you get in with those guys you just fuck you gotta give it right back to them yeah you can't take their shit yeah i mean i i got i've gotten into like so many people on job <laughs> it's like it's embarrassing now to look back on it, like the shit that went on. Like I threw a 20 pound sledgehammer at a guy one time and it hit him right in the fucking chest. Nice. And, uh, I, I honestly thought it killed him. I really, I was so scared that it did because, you know, shit hits the fan on a job site and tempers flare and it gets ugly quick. Yeah. You know, and they were old school dudes and it was, it was tough, you know, well, they but that's, didn't cut, you know, well, that's how it used to be. Like, I mean, you, you, oh. people just yell and scream. I mean, that's, that's how, like, that, that was normal. That's, that's not, it sounds crazy yeah. nowadays, but that was pretty damn normal not that long ago. Oh, I, I grew up with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, there was days, it's like, a, 
kind of fucked up. There was days I'd go home, like, I just want to cry. Because yeah. the guys are so fucking mean to me. Like, these guys were just ruthless. You know, and I was a big, like, I was six foot six, you know, and, I was, you know, at that time, I was probably 230, 235, you know, in weight, and I was, you know, working, you know, on the ground a lot. So I was a pretty rugged kid, and these guys would see that, and they wouldn't want to put me on a machine because I was, you know, I was a good laborer. You know, I had work ethic and dedication, and I put my nose down, and I just worked. So it was already hard to get a seat because you're, you know, you're up against guys that are experienced. And then they see you as a competent laborer. So they don't want to give you any seat time because they don't want to lose you as a laborer. Yeah. I really had to buckle down and, and push hard to get every, you know, every minute of seat time that I could, which would lead me to staying late to do stuff. You know, after hours, I would ask superintendents and foremen, like, hey, can I stay late and run greater and wait stuff up? Or, you know, can I stay and what any, any seat time that I could get to improve my chances of being a full-time operator. I made sure that I did. And there was a lot of times that I did it for free. I yep. mean, just because it was the only way that I could fucking pull it off. Yeah, and I, I, that's that's one thing that, that rubs me the wrong way with some of these younger guys now is they feel like they're entitled to it. And, and you're like, no one owes you anything. No one's going to give you anything. You have to go make it happen on your own. And, and that's... That's like one of the common threads to especially becoming the operators. Like you just have to make it happen, whether it be for free, whether it be Saturday, Sunday, whether it be at lunch after, after work, you just have to find a way in no matter you know, what are, whatever you have to do. Well, definitely. And that's why they fucking suck. Yeah. You know, because they're not willing to put in the legwork and invest their own time and effort into doing better. Yeah. You know, and it, when you start putting in the work, and you start pushing yourself to do better, you're going to get better. And these motherfuckers, they just want to go out there and be handed the keys to a brand new machine and suck up the fucking gravy. And they don't want to do what it really takes to get good at what they do. Yep. And I, I am a huge advocate for people running old junk. Like, I'm not talking like cable machines and, and shit like that. But like, you know, just straight fucking late 80s, early 90s hydraulic fucking junk because they didn't have air conditioning. They were pretty fucking primitive. Didn't have a radio. You were lucky if you had a fan. Yeah. And it makes you appreciate this new stuff. Like, I, a lot of the people that follow me see how meticulous I am about the cleanliness of a machine. And I take a lot of pride in the machines that I'm running because I've ran fucking junk. You know, and I know what it's like to sit there on a fucking 100 degree day, sweating your balls off, and not sure if you're going to make it to the end of the day or not, because it's just so damn hot in there. Or cold. I mean, I've sat on open wrap dozers, and it was 20 fucking below zero Fahrenheit. Yeah. And you swear to God, you're going to freeze to death. You stick it out because you're given that opportunity, and you don't want to fucking ruin it. That, going back to how... Uh, you know, that's one of the things I've noticed about you is is how ridiculously clean you keep the, the interior of a cab. Can you just explain? Like, yeah. you, you take your damn shoes off. Sometimes. I mean, it depends on what I'm doing. Like, lately I haven't been able to do that. And I've seen all the fucking time. And this year has been just extremely hectic with everything. I mean, this is it's crazy. With, with the fucking coronavirus, like, how busy we have been as a contractor. And in an industry in this area, um, I'm 
flat out running four or five, six pieces of machinery a day. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's tough. But, you know, like, I'm not one to just sit there with my thumb in my ass or play on my phone during the day. You know, I'm being paid to provide a service. And part of that service is maintaining my machinery. Mm-hmm. And not only greasing it and looking after it and making sure that it's ready to perform, but also to keep keep it clean. You know, because we're out, you know, we do road construction. You know, we, we, we work specifically for the Department of Transportation and do road rehab projects and rebuild this and rebuild that. And we're out there in the public eye. And I feel that as a company and as an industry to not look like a bunch of blundering idiots out there that we should have good-looking machinery. I'm not saying it's got to be polished all the time, but, like, you know, not all smash the fuck up either. Because, you know, you drive down the road and you, you see two machines, one that's beat to fucking death and one that's kept in good shape. And, and wow, these guys got their shit together. These guys are a bunch of fucking idiots. Yep. And you're representing yourself. You're representing the company and you're representing the industry. And I just, I, I have a hard time getting over how people can just stand there and, and fuck off all day and not keep their shit in good shape. Like, it, it takes, you know, five seconds to sweep your floor up. But the crazy thing is, it's like, that's not the norm, at least what I've seen. I mean, a lot of equipment, we work with a lot of great contractors, so they really take a good care of their, their machines. But, I mean, a lot of these contractors, they don't care at all. And a lot of these people don't care at all about their machines. Like, some of these are real bad. Well, what was it? Forks and spoons, right? And yeah. Isn't that what we look at them? Yeah. And that's, I, like, I'm not taking my shit and, you know, putting in a parade or putting it on show, like, well, some of my stuff I do, but the day-to-day stuff, like, it's there to work. And I prioritize what I do. Obviously, greasing and making sure that it's in good mechanical condition is number one on the list. And then once those things are done, and as I have free time, well, we'll clean the windows because that's a safety factor. Mm -hmm. You You see these guys and girls, you see these people with, filthy fucking windows and you get a little bit of sun on them windows and you get that glare well then that's a safety hazard yep and you know now you've created a whole blind spot that's an entire window that you're supposed to be able to see out of and that lends itself to you know smash counterweights because you can't see your mirrors to to watch where your ass is and then once windows are clean if i got time then we'll wipe shit down clean the floor, and then if I have extra time, I mean, I've always got rags and a thing of wax. And we'll wax the fucking, you know, wax the tin work. Yeah. You know, keep the counterweights nice and neat. Yeah. It's just, that's me. I get it. Not everybody's that way. And to each their own. I mean, it's a great big world out there, and we're all different. But if you don't want to take care of your shit, then, well, that's, that's your prerogative. I'm not going to hold it against you, but... You know, it it makes sense to me because if you sit in it all day, you might as you'd, you'd want something nice. But I, I, I don't know. There, there's there's different ways to do things, I guess. What's what's the deal with what's your deal with draughts? They're a fucking amazing do-all machine. And it's it's a wheeled excavator for those of you that don't know what a draught is. But Garrett is very well known yeah. for his draughts. Well, I, I mean, Draught Manufacturing Corporation back in the '60s was. They were the first people to make all-terrain wheeled excavators, and it was just a drop 40, same one that sits in my driveway out here. And that's everybody around here had them when I was growing up. I mean, right now, there's 
I can probably count you like five or six that are in a 10 mile radius of me right now wow. of just old wheeled excavators, not modern ones, like old ones. And all the old boys I grew up around with that, they just, they call them drops because that's what they were. But the infatuation with them just comes from the fact that they're a do all machine for what we do. I get it. They're not, they're not for every industry, you know, and when people, I get tons of people that call me, that message me, that, you know, they want to know about these machines and if it fits their application. And I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm a consultant by any means in that regard, but a lot of people know me for them. And, you know, it's, they have a niche, you know, for heavy highway work, you can't beat them. Especially these guys that put trailers behind them and NCON tilt rotators, fucking, the sky's the limit yeah. with them. You know, you look at in Europe right now, and the European market, as far as I've seen historically for construction equipment, has been 30 years ahead of the American market. And they're already outfitting all of their machines with trailers and tilt rotators. And, you know, they just they use the shit out of wheeled excavators because their workload caters to that market. And I think once you see infrastructure in America get completed and it gets to that rebuilding purpose, a rebuilding point, I think you'll see more and more people use them because I've talked a lot of contractors into buying them. And once they get their operators trained to use them, you know, proficiently, they love them. Yeah. Because, you, I mean, you can you can do anything with them. It is interesting, though, because there are parts of the, I mean, there, there are parts of the United States where you see them quite a bit, but most of the time you don't really see them everywhere. Yeah. They're somewhat rare. Uh, they're big on the East Coast, big on the East Coast, but most everywhere else, they're they're pretty damn rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it, I think it just, it's a demographic thing. Yeah. Well, a geographic thing. You know, on the East Coast, it's more of an urban environment. A lot more paved roads, a lot, you know, it's a metropolis more, so to speak. Makes sense. You know, and that's where they really shine in that regard. You can drive them around. I mean, I take, I'll carry our blacktop rollers around. We'll, we'll rig them up, you know, rig our rollers up with chains and I'll pick the damn things up and we'll drive right down the road and duck under the power lines and shit. Or, you know, sometimes we'll throw them in the back of a dump truck, pick them right up, set them in the back of a dump truck and take them to where we got to go and go back to work. What's the, uh, what's, what's your, your dislike with outriggers on, on draughts? It's just, they're fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> They, they just they're com- they slow you down. Yeah. And it's a crutch. And when I was first starting out, I mean, I, the first time I ran one, I was like 16. And my father-in-law had one rented from the contractor that I'd gone to work for when I got older. They had a 1085B, and one of their operators was there working with us. And I was running that 1085, and I went to put the outriggers down, and he started fucking screaming at me. He's like, you get them motherfucking things up, or you get the fuck out of there and go the fuck home. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, I didn't know. I was a kid, you know. Yeah. I, that's how I was like a pecko. Yeah. And he, I mean, he fucking, like, he was serious, too. Like, he was straightening <laughs> off my ass. And uh, so it just kind of stuck with me ever since. But that same man later on I ended up spending three years working for him and he was the, the crustiest son of a bitch I've ever met but he's like a father to me he's, he's still to this day one of my best friends and he's like 74 75 now and that man probably had the most positive influence on my career because 
he he's just a straight shooter. Like when I do dumbass shit, which I was from a kid, I did a lot of dumbass shit. I fucked a lot of shit up, you know, coming up through, made a lot of mistakes. And that man would not sugarcoat fucking nothing for nobody. Yep. And he would just fucking chew my ass and tell me what a dumb fuck I was. But he would also tell me how to make it right. Like yep. he wouldn't just like put me down. He would tell me how to fix it. And yeah. he would make me fix it. He wouldn't fix it for me because he knew that I wasn't going to learn that way. And I feel it, like uh, it definitely had a positive impact on me. A lot of people have not had that kind of life lesson, that, that hard love. I have a, a friend's dad who I kind of picked it up from. And there was one time where I was learning how to drive stick shift. So I was, I'd never driven it growing up. I was maybe, I don't know, I, I was probably like 15 at the time. It was Montana. So you can you can kind of drive whenever you want up in Montana. It's just a different world. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. I get into the Jeep. It's it's me, my friend, my, my friend's dad. We get in it. I'm so scared shitless trying not to stall yeah. this thing while he's in the passenger seat that yep. I'm, I'm so focused on it. I get it going. We go on down the road. We're going to breakfast up at you know this lodge uh, a, a little ways away from town, like pretty far out of town, actually. And while we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're almost, we almost get up there, and I notice the thing is on empty, like fucking empty. And I just, I, I mean, my heart just sinks as I'm sitting there because it's like, oh my God, I'm going to have to tell, like, I don't know if we're going to get back to town. And if that happens, I am so fucked. So I tell him that, hey, we, we might run out of gas. He just rips us apart for the entirety of breakfast. It just rips Mm -hmm. us apart for how, how dumb we are. We drive back into town. The thing is, it is out of gas by the time we pull into the, the gas station. I mean, it is, it's jolting. It's jolting. And he looks at me, he's like, why the hell are you doing that? And I'm thinking like, well, it's out of gas. Like we are, we're done here. So we get in the gas station. He just gets out of the car and walks home from there and doesn't talk to us the rest of the day. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and I was so scared. No, absolutely not. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I think that's the fucking problem with all these fucking kids now is they don't get their ass chewed on like that. So no. They make the same mistakes all the fucking time. Yep. Yep. Well, and I, yeah, as as a as a leader, I mean, I guess there are some moments where I haven't probably been as much of an asshole as I've needed to be because that yeah. sometimes that's the best way to go teach a lesson is just be mm-hmm. brutally honest with people. And a lot of times it's not fun to fun to hear, but you got to hear it. So, yeah, for sure. Well, it, it's tough. It really is. And it's like everybody's different. So you you have to learn to read people and learn who can take what kind of ass chewing, yes. you know, and how you have to deliver it. Some people don't respond at all to getting their ass gnawed on. Yeah. You know, they just, they shut right down and they, they struggle and they lose confidence. And sometimes you got to kind of, you know, hold their hand a little bit. You know, you, you got to be firm, but you can't be an asshole. And other people just need straight ass joints. So how do you how do you approach that nowadays? I mean, you're in a position where you know a thing or two, and there's probably some less experienced folks around you. I mean, how do you how do you balance that? I I avoid that like a plague. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's sad. I don't spend a lot of time with other operators. I usually work alone. I'm I'm tough to work with. You know, I'll be the first to admit that. And I expect perfection, you know, from myself. I'm harder on myself than I'll be on anybody else. Yeah. 
you know, when we're out there working together, what we do is a reflection of us as a team. And if I'm working with people and they're doing subpar work, I will be the first to call them out on it. And it doesn't always go over well, especially, you know, I'm, I'm young, you know, in the grand scheme of things. And I was younger, obviously. Um, and it's tough being a younger guy going to older, more experienced people and being like, hey, let's do it this way or let's do it that way. And, yeah. you know, we'll get better results or we'll get it done quicker. And you get told to go fuck yourself a lot. Yep. As <laughs> sad as that is, when you're just trying to help people, they don't see it that way. I look at things differently. I mean, some people are just there for a paycheck. Yeah. I'm there because I give a shit. I want to do a good job. I want to do the best that we can do with what we have. I mean, I've polished a lot of fucking turds through the years. I've been thrown into projects that were, you know, um, for a lack of better words, they're pretty fucked up. And we've had to go in and fix them. And we come out on top. It's tough because you know damn well if you could have started the project, you'd have had a much better end result. You'd have made a lot more money for the company. And, you know, it had just been a lot easier. Basically, what it boils down to, and this is what I tell a lot of the people I work with, if you don't make a mess, you don't have to clean up a mess. Mm-hmm. And that in itself saves a lot of time and money. Going to the the perfection that, thing, like how does that drive you crazy sometimes? Because I know you're yeah you're probably your own your, your worst critic by far, and it seems like like you are like a perfectionist almost to a fault. Like does does it just drive you nuts sometimes? It used to. Yeah. You know, before I, I mean, you and I have talked privately about you know, anxiety and therapy and all of that stuff. You know, and that stuff we can talk about later. But before I started seeing a therapist and learned how to embrace my OCD and to channel that in a positive manner, I, it was tough. I mean, I, it caused me to drink a lot and, and chew a lot of tobacco. Like I used to chew five cans of Copenhagen a day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Every I'd have Oof. a freezer full of coke, and oh, I, no. you could go up border into Pennsylvania and you buy them, they call them sweet. You buy yeah. five cans in a roll of time, and wow. I'd buy a box of that shit to keep in my freezer, and I'd put five of them fuckers in my dinner pail every day, Oof. and I would just chew, and it was because of my anxiety. Like, it was like a baby with a pacifier, mm. because I had I had to make everything perfect because I didn't want the old guys to give me shit because it wasn't good enough. So mm-hmm. I had to make sure that I went above and beyond because I had a hard time handling the criticism. You know, guys go up there and be like, Jesus Christ, it looks like fucking Helen Keller did it. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I hated that, you know, yeah. because I wanted to do a good job. So I think before I learned how to, you know, embrace my OCD, it was tough. Like, there was a lot of days where I wanted to give up. I didn't want to do dirt work anymore because historically in my career, I've done a lot of trim work and a lot of finish work. Somehow people always put me in that position because they must've seen something that I didn't. Because I never thought my work was that great. It, to this day, I don't. And it drives me nuts. And like, I'll take pictures of it. And this is like before social media, like I would take pictures with my phone and then look them over with a fine-tooth comb, mm. you know, to see where I could improve or, you know, even take video doing stuff. And then I'd use it like game film to just perfect what I was doing. And it was 
it it was tough. Like it, like I said, it made me want to just. I hated going to work. I hated everything about it. And then once I learned just how to deal with the OCD, you know, I spent a lot of time with a psychologist or therapist or whatever you want to call it, just trying to figure it all out. Uh, so how did how did you figure out how to how to work with it rather than against it? You just, I don't know. I really don't. I, it's almost like you got to have a fuck it attitude. Like, like legit, fuck what everybody else thinks. Just go out there, do the best you can, and and that's all you can do. I mean, and I'm, I, I, you know, I do some pretty nice work. Even though I don't feel that way, I get a lot of positive feedback from a lot of people. Like, you know, people that don't even like me will be like, dude, that looks, you know, that looks pretty fucking awesome. Yep. You know, or when we get done fine grading a project and I call the engineer and ask him where we were for our yields and our quantities were like spot on, which means that the grade was phenomenal. And that, that it's a good feeling when you, you can put your, your anxieties at rest through data, you know, I mean, it just, it proves that you're doing a good job regardless of how you feel about it and how you feel that it looks. Well, a lot of, uh, a big piece of therapy, at least for me, is just understanding that it, that's even going on in the first place, and then it doesn't really have power over you anymore. If you can at least, if you can have nothing else, just identify like, hey, I'm kind of being a little crazy here, or oh, it's happening right now, like it's going on. Like, yeah. it, even if you can just identify it, then it doesn't have power over you, and you can be a lot more rational. You gotta, you gotta own it. Yeah, yeah. Like I was just talking mm-hmm. with with my therapist this week about like a lot of my social anxiety and it's just so helpful to, you know, she, and she was talking about like, well, you know, the next time it starts to happen, like just t- kind of take a note of how you're feeling and, and just try to kind of, kind of learn about what the indicators are before it actually happens. And and I'm like, damn, that's a great idea. And it's just, it's so simple. It's like, why, why didn't I think of this? But it's helpful to kind of work things through. And then the next time around, hopefully I'll be able to identify like, Hey, Hey, it's about to happen. Like I need to kind of figure things out before it gets too far. And, and hopefully yeah. I can have power over that. Mm-hmm. We're all definitely. Why'd you, why'd it, you start going to therapy in the beginning? Um, well, failed suicide attempt. Wow. I was, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, Sarah and I, I've known Sarah. We went to school together. Yeah. And when we started, I mean, I worked for dad for four years before we started dating. And then we were dating. And then right after I had turned 21, um, you know, my drinking was getting the better of me. Mm. And she, you know, she couldn't handle it. I mean, I was a fucking, you know, not that I was abusive, but I was just a fucking train wreck. Yeah. Self-sabotage, just being fucking stupid. And she had enough and we, we had broke up and it was like right before my birthday. And. I mean, I had a, a Marlin thirty thirty that I bought on my 18th birthday sitting there in the corner of my fucking bedroom. And I went to stick that fucker in my mouth and pull the trigger, and it wouldn't work. Jesus. Like, that gun worked. That gun, I, you know, I shot all kinds of shit with that motherfucker. It never failed me. Whoa. I could not get it that night. Whoa. And you want to talk about a way to, to find out whether or not you believe in God. Yeah. It, that right there solidified it for me. Yeah. And I, I ain't kidding you. Like, I tried and tried and tried to get that fucking gun to work. And I couldn't. And I sat there and just 
just a heap of fucking tears. And I finally, I called my dad and I, you know, I said, dad, I said, come get me. I said, I'm in my house and I just, I need, I need to be with somebody. And, uh, he came and got me and it was probably, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night. And he picked me up and he knew something was wrong. I mean, obviously I was a fucking train wreck and he, you know, he says, is everything all right? I says, no, I says, let's just, let's just go for a drive. And uh, so we drove around all night and we never said a word. And I mean, finally at like four or five o'clock in the morning, he's like, well, what are you, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know, dad. I just, I don't know. And I told him, you know, what happened. And then, uh, so I stayed with my dad for a couple of days, you know, just so I think obviously they were worried I'd try it again. Yeah. And then I started to see a therapist after that. Jesus. And, you know, I was going, I don't know, probably twice a week. My mom, you know, my mom and dad were paying for it. I didn't have a lot of money. You know, I was 21 working for contractor, making shit wages. I was trying to make a name for myself. So I wasn't making a lot of money. And my parents paid for a lot of fucking therapy for me for, I don't know, a couple of months. And then I got straightened around and, you know, I quit drinking after that. And, and then, uh, you know, I, I just, I got fucking straight. I just, I got my head out of my ass and I started living life the way it's supposed to be lived. Wow. So, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people probably have had similar fucking issues. Especially when you talk about it to people. Like, I'm very open and honest about it. I mean, I'm not comfortable talking about it. In this situation, it's a little bit awkward for me. I'm, you know, I'm not crazy about it, but I think if it helps one fucking person, you know, to get better, then, well, then it's worth myself putting me out there like this. Yeah. And I've always appreciated that about you because you like, you're just, you just tell it how it is and, and you, and and you're really, you're really vulnerable online. Like a lot of your posts are like, I mean, I don't read a whole lot on the internet. I try to keep off there, but whenever yeah. you write out a, a big post, I'll go through the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. And, and most of them will be like, damn, like, whoa, I, this is, and I am, I'm a pretty damn open person. Like I, people ask me, is like, is there anything we can talk about or you don't want to talk about anything that'll make you uncomfortable? Like, nah, not really. I'll get into whatever the hell you want. I'll, I'll talk about anything, <laughs> but right? yeah, I mean, you, you yeah. really, you really put yourself out. Why, like, why do you put yourself out there online? To help people. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I mean, just as blunt as me to help people. I mean, I don't know. I have a, a secret Facebook group for operators, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I put a ton of information out there. I don't even put it on Instagram, you know, how to do stuff and stuff that I've calculated and computed and to help people to be better operators because they don't know who to turn to. There's not there's not a trusted source out there where you can contact a person or a business or anything like that. Like there's no, there's just nothing that's, that's out there where you can be like, Hey, you know, I'm running this machine and I'm, I'm struggling in this manner. What am I doing wrong and how can you help me? Yeah. And I get, I get tons of people, tons of people that ask me this stuff, you know, privately because they feel comfortable asking me. Because they know I'm not going to be a fucking douchebag to them. Mm-hmm. When somebody's asking you for help, that's big. Because a lot of people are so busy tripping over their fucking egos that they can't ask for help. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just as guilty of it growing up. I wouldn't ask for help. I would fucking blunder through it. and I mean, eventually I'd figure it out. I mean, luckily I was smart enough to know 
you know, to read the operator's manuals and uh, the books that I've read through the years, but they just, they don't have anywhere to turn to. So, you know, I have that, that Facebook group and it's helped a ton of people out. And, but I, I mean, if, if we're all out here and we ain't helping each other, what the fuck's the point of being out here? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're all at different stages of our life. Some people are just getting into it. Some people are at their prime. And, you know, some people are getting ready to retire. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I think we're all in this together. You know, it, it, outside of the professional aspect of this, outside of the construction industry, society as a whole, we all struggle with our own demons. Yep. You know, and people deal with anxiety and depression and just self-doubt and all kinds of shit. And I think if we just fucking take a step back and realize that we all go through the same shit and just fucking be kind to each other. And, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. It is amazing, though. Like, everyone does have dark, dark stuff that they've gone through or even like yeah. like even me, for example. I had a pretty damn good privileged upbringing. And I, I'd always yeah. thought un, until the past few years, like, man, no life could not have been more perfect. Like I have no excuse to bitch about anything. Everything could not have been more perfect, but then you start digging into it and then you start realizing like, Oh my God, like, no, it wasn't. Holy shit. Like I, I actually went through some, some pretty bad stuff and you start looking into it more and then, and then you start, you know, it doesn't have power over you anymore, but, but Mm -hmm. so everyone has it, but, but yet most people totally hide it from others yeah. And and even worse, hide it from themselves, which just yeah. it's so sad to to see people not working through the stuff they should work through, and then they just live with it their whole life and and let it affect them their entire life. No, oh, it does. I I can see. I spent a ton of time with therapists, so I get I can see through a lot of people's bullshit. Yeah, you know when they have issues and they don't want to address it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you, you learn to to pick that up. Because you spend so much time doing self-evaluation that it just becomes a sixth sense, so to speak. And you see it. And not that you're being judgmental, but, I mean, I've seen people struggle with stuff. And I'm like, hey, man, let me let me help you out with this. Let me, let me fucking bear some of your burden and let's get you through this. I mean, I had some really good friends that they had tried to commit suicide. And I, mean, I remember being in, in a, you know, spending all night looking for one of my buddies. You know, he had... He got real bad one night, and I had found him, and he tried to overdose on pills. And uh, we got him to the psych ward, you know, and he was so embarrassed about it. I'm like, dude, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you're here. Let's let's get you through this. And uh, it's tough because we don't really talk anymore. Like, I don't know if he's ashamed of it or or what the deal is, but it's one of the things. And I sat in a psych ward with him for, I don't know, the better part of one day, and then I would visit him you know, often, you know, once he started to get better. But hmm. What were, like, what were some of the things you had to work through? I mean, I, I know a lot of it was, was, was childhood related. What, like, what did you have to work through and overcome to get in a better place? We don't, I mean, we don't have to get, get into all the, all the shit, but I mean, like what, what were the mental roadblocks that you had to overcome? Dealing with your self-esteem was the biggest thing. Hmm. Realize that you're not a worthless piece of shit. Hmm. Just a little bit of background. Like, my stepdad was, and that fucking dude, I mean, the guy has done 
like every drug known to man. Mm-hmm. He was a drunk. He was a drug addict. When I was a kid, he was uh, he was he was not good to myself, my mother, and my brother. We had a lot of issues growing up, and it it has a very negative impact on your well being. Yeah. When you're told all the time that you're a useless piece of shit, that you won't ever amount to anything, things like that. Like, I'm not going to get real deep into it, but, like, it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you've got to you got to break that train of thought. Mm-hmm. you got to be your own fucking cheerleader. Like, you got to be your own hype man, you know? I mean, you gotta you got to believe in yourself, you know, and you got to realize that you have what it takes to do what you want to do you know and the only person holding you back is yourself mm. and one of the, the the most important thing that my therapist taught me was god helps those that help themselves mm-hmm. whether you're religious or not whether it doesn't matter what god you believe in what deity you believe in i'm not i don't care it doesn't matter to me like, I'm not saying I don't care what you believe in. I just, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm not going to hold it against you. Like, that's, I don't give a fuck. But it has a huge bearing on what you can accomplish. Yeah. Because if you don't go out there and you don't work for it, you're never going to get it. And if somebody happens to hand it to you, or you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth, and you don't go out there and keep hustling, you don't keep grinding, you're not going to have it for long. No, you know, I I know a lot of people that were born into opulence and they had a lot of great opportunities growing up. And when you have a heart to heart conversation with them, they they always get pissed because they're like, man, it must be, you know, it, it's cool to be self made like that because you know people have more respect for you because you went out there and earned it. He says, you know, or they say, but you know, the thing is, is like, even when it's handed to you, you got to keep it going. Yep. And that's what, you know, you get a lot of these guys that are second, third generation company owners or, you know, they're born into wealth. They got to keep it going. You know, and these people are like, oh, man, it must be nice to fucking have everything handed to you. But it might have been handed to them, but they still got to keep it going. Well, and that's, uh, yeah, my the, a lot of the, the people I grew up with, they're just tons of money. I mean, absurd amounts of money, so much so that they'll never really have to work. And it is interesting watching these people because they, they know that and they've never had to work for anything. And they're, a lot of them are in a, a kind of a bad place. And, and it's yeah. just, it's just kind of a bummer to see. It's just like, man, that, that just sucks. Cause I, I guess I got lucky. Like I was raised very well off, but then it was kind of cut off. You know, once I became an adult, like, all right, go get them. If you want it, go yeah. work for it. And I was taught to work early. That's admirable. <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I guess it's just I'm just doing what I think I need to do, and you know when when to whom much is given, much is required, and so that's just how I see yeah. it. It's like, well, I got all this, so okay, I have a. There's just more requirement for my life and what I need to go out and do than most others have because I got I got a head start. Yeah, no, it's but and and so with all with all that in mind, how do you how do you raise your kids? Like, what are you trying to teach them? Just I eat my. My number one goal for both of our boys, you know, and they're, they're eight and six, is so they can be just grow up to be productive members of society that are happy. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a huge proponent. I can't stand it when people, you know, they, you know, they, they, they try to force their kids into 
doing this occupation or that occupation or whatever. And they try to groom them this way or that way. It's like, I want my kids to grow up to be happy. Mm-hmm. I don't care what they do. They can go fucking turn tricks and suck dick at the fucking truck stop. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. If that's what they want to do and that makes them happy, then I'm happy for them. Will I be proud of that? Fuck no. But they live their life, you know, and that's what they want to do. So, you know, fucking give her hell. And because my stepdad didn't give me options. Like mm-hmm. He thought I should play sports. And, you know, he would train my brother and I like we were fucking going to be, you know, the next gold medal Olympians or something. You know, he'd want us to go fucking do work out and run and train and all this bullshit. And, dude, I fucking, I hate sports. I think they're, like, the biggest fucking waste of time and that's my opinion you know you know people listening like sports whatever that's your thing i don't give a fuck but to me it's just pointless like i just don't get it it's not my thing maybe because my father my stepdad tried to force the shit down my throat maybe that's why i hated that much more but either way like i don't want to do that to my kids my stepdad had good intentions but his implementation was fucking horrendous so how do you how do you let your kids learn their own path? Um, we, like what are the things you do with them? Because it is cool. Them. It is cool how how you share about that too. I really do enjoy seeing like, oh wow, like his kids are messing around with the mini X in the, in the front yard. Like this, it's just it's kind of fun for me to see. You know, as a because I'm a, I'm aspiring to be a great dad, so I'm looking at other people and how they do it, and looking at other examples, so I can kind of take that and create my own formula. Like how what like what do you what do you really focus on day to day with them to kind of teach them that overall? I don't know. I, I'm still trying to figure it all out myself. Yeah. Like legit, like it's day to day trying just every day trying to be a better parent, like trying to be more caring, just being there. Yeah. Um, but like, it's weird because both of our kids are totally fucking different from each other. Mm-hmm. Like Gavin, people are going to piss when I say this, but like, Gavin's very flamboyant. Yeah. Um, like, my brother and I laugh. We got bets going that he's going to be fucking gay when he gets older. But, not that it matters. I don't give a fuck. But, <laughs> you know, we just, he is, he's extra. And he's awesome. And he is an amazing soul. He, his anxiety gets to him. Mm-hmm. And we try, like, his parents, like Sarah and I, do our best to make sure that we don't project our anxieties out of the kids. You know, and both kids actually go to therapy now, and they have made huge improvements. Not because, like, we're bad parents. You know, like, we feel that every opportunity we have to make our kids better, we're going to do. We want to give our kids the best start in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And Rowan, who's our younger son, he's he's a lot more like me. He's fucking stubborn and bullheaded and just wants to work and be left alone. And that kid will go out and, you know, fucking play in the stone box for hours by himself like he doesn't like people which i mean i'm just as guilty of too i'm not a huge people person and that the kids are so totally different see i it's hard to parent them because they're so totally different you've got to handle each one differently gavin's very sensitive like you can't come down on him with an iron fist Mm. you know you have to handle him with some caution and sensitivity because I think that it's going to have permanent damage as far as self-worth is concerned. 
because he is so sensitive. Rollin, you have to roll with an iron fist. I mean, that kid, you know, he gets a lot of spankings. Mm. Um, not, you know, not like beating him, but he'll, he gets some fucking love taps on his ass to keep him straight because that's what he needs. Yep. And that's, that's what I needed as a kid too. You know, some, he's, he's a strong willed little fucker. Um, and he needs to know right from wrong. And as parents, we have to make sure that he does know right from wrong. I mean, it, to the point where, you know, he pulled a fucking, a knife out of the dishwasher on our nanny one day. You know, Jeez. Like yeah. Now, it was a butter knife. <laughs> okay, but it, he pulled it out of the dishwasher, but it's still the fact that, you know, that's where it starts. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you, you got to make sure that you keep the fuckers in line. And at that point in time, like this summer has been hard on them because the kids haven't been going to school with the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for him to, to take it all in. So we've had various nannies throughout the summer because my wife and I both work and she's had to do a lot more work with her position in the school district to make sure that everything goes as planned. So it was hard for Ron with different nannies, different schedules, things like that. And he just struggled. And Sarah and I put our pride aside and says, we got to do something with him. You know, we tried as parents and we tried a lot of different methods. And we're just like, we got to send him to a fucking therapist, you know. And his parents, you, you, you feel like you're a failure. Mm, yeah. Because, you know, you fucking, these are your kids. You're supposed to be able to raise them on your own. Yeah. You know. And it's like, well, this one's, you know, he's getting a little bit fucking wild and we need some help. So we, you know, went to a therapist and we ended up going to see an occupational therapist. And he, you know, has... um. I don't know what the fuck, you know, the issues are. My wife would know, but we've worked through them. He has a hard time with change, which I do too. Uh, A lot of the things he struggles with are things that I struggle with as well. You know, Mm. change, loud noises bother him, which they bother me. Just shit like that. So he's been working with a therapist, and it's night and day, his attitude. Like, he is a hundred times better than he was. You know, you used to have to be careful with what you did with him, where you went, things like that, because you would struggle with him. He didn't act out in the store. He wasn't that kid that threw a temper tantrum in a store and shit like that, because that just didn't happen. Like, I fucking drug him out of lots of stores and lots of restaurants when he pulled that shit. And, you know, he doesn't pull that as like he used to. But you can do stuff with him, you know, and he's happy. He's not pissed off. You're not fighting with him. And it's, it's definitely been a great thing, you know, wow. to basically your child back. Yeah. You know. Does does being a parent give you anxiety? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. I've, well, I've had multiple posts where I've legit said that parenting is the hardest job I've ever had. Yeah. I mean, even like even when I was a laborer, I can remember 110 degree days, raking and shoveling blacktop all day with a fucking hangover, puking in the fucking paver. <laughs> Nothing compared to being a parent like it's just it's totally different because if you care you know if you care about your children because as soon as you have a kid that's all you worry about everything you do everything that i do revolves around my family and our Mm well-being it's tough like overtime working i think i'd work fucking 100 hours a week seven days a week it didn't matter 
once you have kids, that changes. Because mm-hmm. you got to be present. You've got to be there. Or if, if you don't raise your kids, somebody else is going to. Yep. And I want to be a part of my family's life. So it, it's a whole different struggle because now construction's tough. There's, you know, you work from whenever to whenever. You don't always know when you're going to get out of work. So then now I'm like struggling to try to get done what I need to get done at work so I can get out of there at a halfway decent time so that I can drive two hours so I can come home and see my wife and kids for five minutes at nine o'clock at night before they go to bed Yeah, because I don't work close to home. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be I would stand a camper. Now mm-hmm. I drive four hours a day Jeez. so that I can be home every night. Yeah. What, um, I guess, uh, uh, the last thing I want to talk about with with all the operators you 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 talk with what what are what are like the the, the big mistakes some of these young bucks make out in the field? Well, they get a little too big for the britches. Mm. I mean, that's probably their biggest mistake, and I think we're all guilty of it. I know I did it. I know a lot of people I know have done it. Yeah, you get a little bit of seat time under you. You get a little bit of experience. You know, you really think you got the world by the balls. You know, I think you got it all figured out, and then and there's always something that breaks you makes you realize oh fuck I ain't got it all figured out or I ain't the best I need to fucking get straight and get right and check my ego at the door and you know do better I mean I know the exact moment it happened to me Mm. you know and and ever since that moment you know I've seen the light so to speak what was that moment um well we were I was running a fucking drop a Volvo EW170 and we were trimming out this parking lot topsoiling around it and it was a ditch that was offset and it was a V ditch and it had a funny shape to it and the, the contractor that we were doing the work for was very meticulous about how their shapes were and I was struggling like a fucker with it and it was kicking my ass and you know we didn't really use waivers you did everything with a bucket you didn't fucking hide your sins with a rake you did it with a machine and I was struggling, and my boss came on, which Joe was my boss. He was the one that I worked for for like three years at that contractor, and he was the one that kept my ass straight. He came over there, and he's you know, just started all mad. He said, you stupid fuck. What the fuck's the matter? Why is this taking so long? You got fucking, you know, three truckloads of topsoil sitting here because we dig the topsoil out of the trucks and put them out, put the topsoil out there and grade it. Well, long story short, you know, he says, you stupid fuck. Get the fuck out of there. I'll show you how the fuck it's done. You know, and here I am, you know, I was you know, probably 19 or 20. I thought I had to fucking world by the balls, and I had it all figured out. And I struggled. I I did. I had a fuck of a time with it. And he jumped right in that motherfucker, and he bailed all three of them trucks out of there and unloaded them, and he had that fucking topsail shaped up just slicker than fuck and, and no time flat. And, you know, he never even broke a sweat. Mm. And he gets out, and he says, you know, if you'd stop fucking thinking you were so fucking great, and just fucking do your job. He says you'd be a lot better off. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I think that's, you know, I think we all need that at some point in our life. We just need somebody to fucking give us a little gut check and keep us in line. Yep. Yeah, I got I got that gut check when I was working. I, I think I've told the story on the podcast when I, I dug up a signal line accidentally on the railroad. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, it shut the railroad down, uh, because they didn't have signal and they thought that the track was broken and it was mainline union Pacific track sunset route. So real, real serious route. And, yeah. uh, from that moment on, I, uh, yeah, that was, 
a very quick humbling because I felt like mm-hmm. a total piece of shit after that. Like, yep, all right, no more ego, no mm-hmm. more thinking you know what you're doing, no, no more thinking you know what's best because it nearly just got you real fucked. So that was, I guess that was my experience with that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, one thing I that I enjoy. You know, I followed you from day one, and I was skeptical at first. You know, I was like, who the fuck this kid with the fucking glasses and the fucking <laughs> camera wandering around taking pictures like he fucking knows something. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't say nothing. I just, I followed along because you had a humility about you, you know, and I'm like, who, you know, and then you start seeing people that were like, you know, they, they'd be fucking talking shit about you and giving you shit. I'm like, well, you know, I, I, I remained unbiased and I watched and you just, you persevered through the bullshit, Yep. you know, and through all the and the shade that everybody threw your way. And I'm like, well, you know, and, and I'm like, well, this kid ain't so fucking bad. And then, you know, the more you, more I followed you, I was like, well, look, I, I don't understand why people don't like this kid so much. And then people would message me when, like, they would see us interacting. And they're like, how can you fucking like that kid? And I'm like, well, what's there not to like? <laughs> like, the kid, he's passionate. He's forthcoming he's very truthful about everything he's not claiming to be an expert at anything yep like he's just out here with his camera trying to paint a good light on what we do like this guy's our fucking one of our biggest fucking proponents you should be backing him like i don't i don't understand why anybody would dislike what you're doing and it it blows my mind when i find out that people are vindictive towards your everything that you're about because again you're trying you're like the, the micro in the dirty jobs yeah for instagram yeah and once you i know? like once i uh because i did used to try to be a little bit of an expert and then once i started just admitting like hey i'm just a i'm an idiot and, and i i just love this stuff like that's that's all i'm doing here i just i absolutely love it i'm a total idiot i don't know a single thing i'm going to talk about what i'm learning from other people not from myself and then we're just going to start running around. And once I kind of got my act together and figured out who I am, became a lot more self-confident. Now I don't care who likes me and who doesn't anymore, which is awesome. It's like a very, like you were talking about earlier, it's a very relieving feeling once you just realize like, oh man, okay, now it doesn't matter at all. Now I'm just going to do my thing. And if someone doesn't like me, all right, oh well. Like that's, it is what it is. I'm not going to lose sleep about it. Well, you know, the thing is, you know, a lot of people worry about who likes and doesn't like them. But it's like, well, I don't, there's a lot of people that I don't like. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they don't have a spot on earth out there. That doesn't mean that they don't have a family that loves them. We've all got our place out here. And just because somebody does or doesn't like somebody doesn't mean that they don't belong out there. Yep. You know, I don't know. I just, I think people need to fucking quit tripping over their egos. Uh, well, I think it's, it's, uh, this this industry is very ego driven. It, it, there's a lot of very proud people in this industry, mm-hmm. and so I've struggled against. Uh, I've struggled with like, I'm just this kid, so I'm young. I can't even grow facial hair yet. I have an yeah. engineering degree, so I'm coming from you know highly educated background, coming from a wealthy wealthy background. You know, mm-hmm. wow, you don't. You, I run around the camera, so I'm obvious. I'm I'm not one of them. I'm not you know there to work like they are every day, yeah. and so I'm yeah. I'm automatically an outlier on any side I go to, but the way I get their respect is just through intense humility and, and, and love for what they do and genuine care for getting to know what they know and what they're doing. And once you get that, then it's, 
it's very easy to get along with these people once, but, but if I, and I, I just told our team the other, the other day, like if you ever show up on a job site with any sense of arrogance or like any, any thought that you're better than anyone else or that, that someone owes you something, no one's going to even look at you. And so once, once you figure that out, then it's like, okay, now I can connect with these guys, even though I'm not one of them, because I can be, I can channel that, that real genuine sense of humility. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Like the quickest way for Garrett Wilson not to like you is to be this cocky son of a bitch, I'm sure. Yeah. And you're going to know it if I don't like you. (laughs) Like, yeah. Oh, if fans are what's about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I think life's too short to put up with bullshit. I agree. You know, know, why be anything but honest? Yeah. You know, why be anything but real? I don't get, that whole fake fucking persona bullshit with social media. Like every day I struggle with whether or not I want to be a part of social media. Yep. I do like every day I'm like, I gotta just delete this shit. Fuck this shit. But then I think of, you know, the people that it's helped, you know? And it's like, well, you know, you gotta take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah. And just, well, and I, you know? I'm, I'm the same way. Cause people think I'm doing it like the reason why I'm doing it is because of the social media and the following and any of that. It's like, no, 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 no. Like I want to get rid of this shit right now. And, but I go back to the same thing. It's like, I have all these younger guys coming to me like, Hey, like just got this new job at this company. You know, I, I, I've been following you for a while. You know, I, I was working in finance, you know, I jumped into construction and Holy shit, I can't believe I wasn't doing this earlier and I'm just in love with it. And I'm learning so much. And you get those messages. You're like, Oh damn! Like okay, like I, this is actually pretty cool, and then that that's what drives me now. But it's not like I, I can't stand social media. Some days it's just so frustrating, especially nowadays. Well, everybody fucking everybody thinks their opinion holds validation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like some of these people, like I'm like, dude, I've like legitimately swept more dirt off the floor of a fucking cab. Then half of these cocksuckers have moved in in their entire career, yeah. and it's like, no, you're rolling. Shut your hole. Shut the fuck up, and just go sit back down at the fucking kids' table while the adults talk. You know, yeah. like is is jaded and as conceited as that sounds. Like some people just need to fucking hear that. Yeah, no, and and you've you've earned the right to say it. So you're not you're not just blowing you know, smoke. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I ran fucking iron that. People have never seen before. Yeah, I have done stuff with iron that people have never seen before. Like unless they have seen me do it, they've never seen it done. And I mean, is is you know, they're going to sounds. I mean, it's it's partially true. Yeah, you know, I mean, how many people you know are out there doing stuff with antique machinery? Not many. You know? Yeah, I mean, and it's like I don't think I'm that good. You know, I always feel that there's room for improvement. Yep. Like, dealing with this field follow machine that I've been dealing with, I get cameras on me on the job site from our dealership. I can't fucking stand that. Mm. I feel like a fucking fish out of water when them cameras start rolling on me. Yep. Like, even when Chris was there doing his YouTube shit with my machine. Yep. Like, I wasn't comfortable. Like, and I watched the videos a couple times. I'm like, oh my God, I look like fucking shit. Like, I can't believe that I fucking did this or I did that. Like, I'll just start finding fault. 
and that's just I, I guess that's how you get good but at the same time it's I don't know it's just weird We've had, we've had to deal with a lot of that because, I mean, a big piece of my job is getting people that have never been on camera before on camera in an authentic manner. Yeah. So acting yeah. like I just want to become a fly on the wall, but I'm so obviously not a fly on the wall that it's mm-hmm. it's achieving that, that it's taken me a long time and I'm still so far off from getting there. That's a majority of what I do is just getting people like you comfortable with me even being there to capture what you do like I'm not even there is really is really yeah. the goal well you you mentioned that i think it was two or three years ago i was running a crane on a job and this consulting company come out and there's a couple girls with cameras and they were doing some educational type videos where they they were going to put a microphone on me and then i would explain to them what i was doing throughout my pick you know how i you know look at radiuses and boom angles and things like that to calculate my load charts and just go through the ins and outs of the crane world. And unbeknownst, I didn't know they were coming. I had, nobody had told me anything about this. Mm. These girls showed up, and they got this fancy, you know, it's like when your boy's showing up with your cameras. I'm like, what the fuck are you people? What are you, what are you doing? Like, well, we're here, you know, on behalf of so-and-so to do a film. You know, we would like you to wear this microphone and narrate what you're doing. I'm like, well, first of all, I got a really fucked up voice. It sound weird. You don't want me to do that. I was like, second of all, I don't, I don't want to be on film. I don't want any part of this. And the girls were like, uh, well, we were told, you know, that, you, you know, you were here and um, you were going to do this. I'm like, nobody mentioned a fucking thing about it to me. I was like, it's stepping. I was like, I don't want anything to do with any of this. And I didn't like, and I didn't do it either because I just wasn't comfortable being in that situation. Yep. Like, yeah. I'm and that's, a, a, I mean, that's a majority of, of, of and so, so like a big piece of, of what we do again is, is making people like you comfortable before we get mm-hmm. what we, what we need to get. We don't just come into it cold Turkey. Yeah. Like, Hey, this is what I need from you. Like acting like you're mm-hmm. fucking Brad Pitt. It'll be, yeah. you know, I'll shoot the shit with you. You know, I'll explain things. I'll take the pressure off. You know, Hey, can you just, just explain what's even going on here in the first place? And then we'll kind of get warmed up. It, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit of an art form. And again, I don't have it mastered yet. There's some days where no one even wants to look at us. I mean, we've been told to go fuck ourselves a lot of times over now. We've had the cops called <laughs> on us, like all sorts of things that have happened because oh, we shit. shot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hoot. That's the kind of stuff I don't show, don't show on the internet all that much. I think that'd be more interesting to see than a lot of that other stuff. I know. Like, fucking, the realness of it, though, yeah. like I mean, it gives you more relatability with people because then they can see. Well, you know what? Maybe I should be more uh, accommodating when these people show up. You know, they're not they're not here for harm; they're here to help. Yeah, but I don't. I you know, ninety nine percent of people are real friendly, even if they're not stoked about yeah. being on camera. I, and I don't want to give the industry a bad rap. Like, yeah, there's just a bunch of assholes in this industry. Um, <laughs> but and and piss them off even more by recording them yelling at us. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I you do. So I appreciate it. This has been a, a good conversation. I feel like going back yeah. to helping people. I think this will be a, a good one for people to hear. It was good. It was good for me I to hear. I, I mean, I like talking to you. Yeah, well, likewise. Always interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't know too much, but I try to. I try to be interesting. Although I'm like yeah. you, I don't I like talking cool. to people all that much. I'm like, I'm definition introverted. And I tell people that, oh. and they're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "No, no, no! Like, I, you don't understand. I, I hate talking to people. I don't want to talk to anyone ever." There is 
there is a a third introvert. I can't think of the first couple letters of the word, but it's between an introvert and extrovert. And yeah. that's where you and I fall into that category. Yeah. yeah. There are times we are introvert and there are times where we're extrovert and it all depends on the situation yes but i've i've had to work work on becoming more extroverted like it's been it's had to be it's not a natural process for me i really have to put myself out there just to talk to people and and i'm a a lot better at now like I i can talk to people but it's 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 been a work in progress for me over the past few years especially just on like going into a room with a lot of people like even that used to be hell no i want nothing to do with that well, when I went out to Edwards for the job interview for the demo operator yeah. position, yep. the motherfuckers, they take you. I mean, you, you go around the machines and you talk to Chad, which, you, you know, Chad. Yep. He's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, he's the man. Um, Yeah, he is. Super nice guy. So you talk to him, you go around the machinery, and then they, I didn't know this was going to happen, and it fucked me hardcore. <laughs> they take you into, a, like, a boardroom, and there's a big table, and all these fucking dudes from Caterpillar are in there. And they just start grilling you with questions. And I am a fucking, I, I, I don't even like doing this, like this podcast. Yeah. Like it's hard for me. Like it's very nerve wracking. I've been a nervous wreck this entire time. <laughs> and it's weird. I'm yeah. fucked up. Okay? And I get it. I but get it. Here's, here's my dumbass standing in front of all these fucking people. And they're just hammering me with these fucking questions. And I'm like blacked out from anxiety. Yeah. I have, no fucking idea what's going on and these guys are just hammering me and I'll, I'll never forget like this is like when it came to but the guy was like something about how do you feel about a guy that wears Crocs I'm like well I was like clearly if the dude wears Crocs he sucks mad cops <laughs> and like just blurted it out I'm like oh fuck I was like well, you know what my wife does too and I love her for that so whatever you know and he could have heard a pin drop and it was just like I was like ah fuck it I, you know at that point I didn't give a shit yeah but that was one of the questions Oh, dude, I, I, I stood there for what felt like an eternity, but probably an hour or two. Wow. And they asked you, well, they want to feel your personality. Yeah. You know, they want it because they want to know if you got what it takes. I mean, well, you know, when you and Ryan were talking about that job. Oh, yeah. You know, Ryan, yep. you guys were talking about the unicorn. Yep. You have to be a unicorn for that job. Mm-hmm. And I am not that much of a unicorn. Yeah. Like, you, you've got to be able to talk to people. I can't talk to people. Like, I'm a complete fucking idiot. <laughs> like, I don't have a filter, and that job is not for me. And that's what they try to get you on, is shit like that. Just yep. to see, you know, if you can handle it. And obviously I couldn't, but it was just, oh, it was a fucking nightmare. Like, <laughs> it was, I just laugh when I look back on it now, but it was very nerve-wracking for sure to stand there in front of all those fucking people. I think I think for their sake and your sake, it's a good thing you didn't you didn't get that job. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't have lasted. Yeah, yeah. Shit, they'd have fired me in like the first fucking month. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will. Uh, I'll let you get back to your weekend without ruining more of it with this podcast nonsense. Yeah, but I yeah, do. I, I do appreciate it. it. I, I know. I know it's a big well, deal for you. I, it's a big deal for anybody. Uh, it's starting to become normal for me, but I do appreciate it, and I think people will really enjoy hearing this kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I hope it helps somebody. Even if it helps one person, I guess it was worth it. So. Yeah, well, we only have one listener, so hopefully they, they yeah. it resonates with them. Yeah, and I, it's not even me because I can't even stand to listen to this shit. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. I don't listen to it. I just I just yeah. do it to really, you know, inflate my ego even further. It's cheap. 
cheaper in therapy too. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, this is a great therapy though. Just talking to people, talking yeah. through stuff. Yeah. It, it works like a charm. It does. Yeah. All right. Mr. Garrett, um, Garrett Wilson, world's greatest operator. I very much appreciate it. And, uh, All right, buddy. thanks. And with that, thanks for having me. yes, sir. That is, uh, another episode of dirt talk all wrapped up here. If you found it interesting, you found it valuable, go share it with a friend. Try to get it out to as many folks as possible. That's how we're promoting this thing, growing it uh, beyond, like I just said, our, our one listener. So we're trying to get at least two or three going. So if you have a friend, uh, maybe your, your mom or, or somebody, maybe, well, maybe, maybe don't share this episode with your mom because he swears a lot. But share it, please, and thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Stay dirty out there.